Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 402. It is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and China named in cyber threat activities. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Again, we have arrived at the most useless day of the week. I'm going to keep saying it every week. How about that? Usually because I don't have anything else to say on a Tuesday. Um, I will start off by saying, well, before we get to that, wherever you listen to this, if you could like share, comment, or review, that would be spectacular. And if you're in a HIPAA compliant business, you can go to Facebook and or LinkedIn, type get HIPAA compliance into the search and join the group. Now, what I want to say is I, um, you know, obviously being in IT, belong to a number of online forums and groups that t- discuss IT, you know, different channels, different prof- uh, platforms. Uh, and there's been quite a bit of chatter today about more Microsoft hacks, My, meaning Microsoft has been hacked uh, in various forms. I don't know because I could not really find anything to show that with other than what we already know, the print nightmare and um, the exchange hacks from earlier this year and being part of the SolarWinds supply chain attack late last year. and But it seems like there's some chatter, so I don't know if there is more to that. I was not able to uncover any news items in regards to that. So if something does pop up tomorrow or the next day, you could say you heard it here first. If not, then it's just chatter. <clears throat> all right, let's jump into what we do know. First of all, on threat post, and this is this is really shameful, but I'm going to report it. Ruthless attackers target Florida condo collapse victims. So if you've paying attention to the news at all, you know a condominium building in Florida and Miami collapsed a few weeks ago. And I don't know the total number dead at this point. I know they were approaching 100. Well, now hackers are stealing the identities of those lost in the condo collapse tragedy, which is really just, you got to be scum of the earth to do something like that. But families mourning the loss of loved ones to the partial collapse of the Chamberlain, I'm sorry, not Chamberlain, Champlain, Champlain Towers South Condo building in Surfside, Florida are now being urged to check the credit of their decreased, oh my Lord, not decreased, deceased relatives. Thanks to a group of heartless hackers targeting victims in a new identity theft scheme. Apparently, cyber criminals are watching the news and stealing the identities of victims. Read during the broadcast, Surfside Mayor Charles Burkett told local Florida news station 10 News that law enforcement is working to track down the cyber criminals. This is it's really, really, really crappy if you're doing this. I mean, I doubt that the person or persons doing this are listening to this podcast, but if you're doing it, just really shameful um to take advantage of people and and during these times also on threat post leaked nso group data hints at widespread pegasus spyware infections the secretive israeli firm was allegedly storing 50,000 plus mobile phone numbers for activists journalists business executives and politicians possible targets of iphone and android hacking israeli-based nso group is being 
blasted in a groundbreaking report that alleges that the company's controversial Pegasus malware is being used to target activists, journalists, business executives, and politicians on a widespread level using a variety of exploits, including a zero-click, zero-day in iOS. I'm not really going to... Um, that zero-click, zero-day is being discussed on iOS, and it is with the latest version of iOS. Um, so I'm not really going to get into that too much. A consortium of journalists leveled the allegations in a report called Pegasus Project, which was published Sunday to examine leaked data from the NSO Group, which revealed cache of more than 50,000 mobile phone numbers worldwide that the firm was storing, according to the report published by the Guardian newspaper. The report accuses NSO Group of selling its spy tool, Pegasus, to unidentified third parties, including governments, who then use it to infect the phones of dissidents and other people who may be critical of a given regime. The malware can secretly take remote control of the phone to monitor activity, enabling customers to even read encrypted messages of their targets sent via Signal and Telegram, which is really not good. The leak contains a list of more than 50,000 phone numbers that is believed it is believed have been identified as those of people of interest by clients of NSO since 2016, according to the Guardian report. The Guardian, along with 16 additional media organizations, concluded that the NSO group's Pegasus malware is in, is in widespread use and used to target more than just criminals and terrorists, as the company assists are the primary and only targets of its spyware. In a statement issued by the NSO group, it denies claims against the made in the Guardian report, sorry, claims made in the Guardian report, and those made by the Pegasus Project, it countered the report's conclusions are based on uncorroborated theories that are based on misleading interpretation of leaked data. Amnesty International found in its report that the spyware is under active development, consistently adding zero-day exploits into the mix, including an iPhone attacks observed as Recently, as this month, those attacks have been effective against the latest version of iOS and are zero-click, meaning that no user interaction or action is required to deliver an infection, according to the report. On the iPhone of a French human rights lawyer, code FRHRL2, we observed a lookup of a suspicious message, iMessage account unknown to the victim, followed by an HTTP request performed by the com.apple.courttelephony process according to Amnesty International. This is a component of iOS involved in all telephony related tasks and are likely among those exploited in this attack. We found traces of this HTTP request in a cache file stored on disk at slash private slash var slash wireless slash library slash caches slash com dot apple dot core telephony slash cache slash db containing metadata on the request and the response. The phone sent information on the device, including the model 9.1, which is the iPhone 7, and iOS build number 18C66, which is 14.3, to a service fronted by Amazon CloudFront, suggested NSO Group was switching or switched to using AWS services in recent months. At the time of this attack, the newer iOS version 14.4 had only been released for a couple of weeks. Of note, the report added that zero-click attacks have been observed since May 2018. The most recent attack was observed exploiting multiple zero days to attack a fully patched iPhone 12 running iOS 14.6 in July. So it is still July. It's July, 9, July 19th as I'm recording, July 20th as you're listening. And that means that 
all those people who believe that iOS and Apple devices are not um, subject to these types of attacks, guess again, and I've been saying it for years, it's just because, well, iOS is not the small fish in the pond, but if, as far as computers go, Mac is the small fish in the pond. It's, Microsoft is the bigger target. Um, so those of you with an iPhone who think everything is hunky-dory and that you're never going to get hacked, you know, maybe you're not because maybe you're not of interest to this uh, NSO group, um, but maybe you're of interest to someone else. And if you believe that your phone is can't be hacked, guess again. It's happened time and time again. Don't believe that you are unhackable. There is no such thing. The hacker news, I wanted to touch on this really quickly because I keep, you know, it just keeps coming back. All right, so five critical password security rules for your employees, and they are ignoring them. And I'm just going to skim the list quickly, maybe point out a few statistics here. Always use strong passwords. Strong passwords are at least eight characters. I always go with double digits at least. I I don't think I have anything below 15 at this point. Preferably more and consist of random strings of letters, numbers, and special characters. And of course, upper and lower case should never include dictionary words, which are easy to guess, or personal details, which cyber criminals can scrape off social media channels. You know, like those quizzes you always do on Facebook where you give out personal information, you know, the first concert you went to, the your first dog's name, and things like that. Yeah, don't do those. 37% of respondents to Keeper Service said they use the employer's name as part of their work-related passwords. 34 have used their significant other's name or birthday, and 31 have used their child's name or birthday. Really, no bueno. Use a unique, pe- unique password for your every account, and here's why. Well, it says 44% of respondents to keep your survey admit to reusing passwords across personal and work accounts, and I've seen it. I have seen it time and time again. Um, here's why you don't. If you're using abcbank.com, abcbank.com gets hacked, and the passwords are um, are stolen and cracked in that hack, and then you're using that same password on xyzbank.com, you are now at severe risk and severe disadvantage. Um, you know, very simple explanation, but that's exactly what happens. Store all passwords securely with full encryption. There are ways to do this, Keeper being one of them. There are other password managers out there that you can use, whether that's um, you know one based on your computer or your phone or one that's cloud-based. There are multiple solutions to do that. just that. Uh, there are 50, 57% of respondents write down their passwords on sticky notes. Can't believe people still do that. 62 write down their passwords in a notebook or journal, which anyone else living or in or visiting the home can access. Never share work-related passwords with unauthorized parties. Um, I mean, that's just common sense, although it does seem to happen. Password sharing within the workplace is okay, but only if it's done securely, securely with full end-to-end encryption. I um, I can't think of a scenario where that's actually okay, but you have that. So... Tighten up your password policies, please. Microsoft takes down domains used to scam Office 365 users on bleeping computer. Microsoft's Digital Crimes Unit, I did not know that existed, DCU. That sounds a, that's a pretty 
cool name, Digital Crimes Unit. Has maybe there'll be a new Law and Order, Law and Order, DCU, Digital Crimes Unit. Has if 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 he starts writing episodes for that, I want credit. Has seized 17 malicious domains used by scammers in a business email compromise campaign targeting the company's customers. So business email compromise is a form of phishing where they kind of the attackers insert themselves in a conversation to re-navigate payments. The domains taken down by Microsoft were so-called homoglyph domains registered to resemble those of legitimate businesses. This technique allowed the threat actors to impersonate companies when communicating with their clients. According to the complaint filed by Microsoft last week, they used the domains registered via Name Silo LLC and KS Domains Limited Key Systems GmbH as malicious infrastructure in BC attacks against Office 365 customers and services. Defendants used malicious homoglyph domains together with stolen customer credentials to unlawfully access customer accounts, monitor customer email traffic, gather intelligence on pending financial transactions, and criminally impersonate Office 365 customers on an attempt to deceive their victims into transferring funds to the cyber criminals. So in other words, I'm doing business with the city of New York and I have a bank account already set up for them to send money to and scammer inserts himself into that conversation, somehow impersonating me, maybe creating a domain similar to mine, but not exactly. And then says, please reroute, reroute money to this bank and um, they you know if the city of New York does that then they've got this money now it says the B scammers are from West Africa and I, I don't remember where I saw it now but I saw an interview or heard an interview with someone from Nigeria who was doing this and he was making pretty good money especially for that part of the world um, you know I think it came out to be about 90,000 a year where 90,000 a year here is not a lot but over there, it's a significant amount of money. And BEC is behind $1.8 billion in losses last year. I think we've reported that before, but there you have it again. And finally, on well, not finally, but on CISA's website, U.S. government releases indictment and several advisories detailing Chinese cyber threat activity. Uh, the White House has released a statement attributing recent Microsoft Exchange server exploitation activity to the People's Republic of China. PRC, as we more commonly refer them. The Department of Justice has indicted four Chinese cyber actors from the Advanced Persistent Threat Group, APT-40, for malicious cyber activities carried out on orders from PRC, Ministry of State Security, MSS, Hainan State Security Department, HSSD. These activities resulted in the theft of trade secrets, intellectual property, and other high-value information from companies and organizations in the U.S. and abroad, as well as from multiple foreign governments. CISA and FBI have released joint cybersecurity advisory, TTPs, and indicted APT-40 actors associated with Chinese or China's MSS Hanan State Security Department to help network defenders identify and remediate APT-40 intrusions and establish footholds. CISA, NSA, and FBI have released joint cybersecurity advisory Chinese observed TTPs with which describes China's cyber threat behavior and trends and provides mitigations to help protect the federal government, state, local, tribal, and territorial governments, critical infrastructure, defense industri industrial base, and private industry organizations. So you should review that one probably 
the most important of the group. CISA, NSA, and FBI have released CISA Insights Chinese Cyber Threat Overview for Leaders to help leaders understand this threat and how to reduce the organization's risk of falling victim to cyber espionage and data theft. So for you C-level executives out there, you'll want to review that one. Um, quite, a, quite a bit of information here to unfold. I'm not going to delve into it. It's, it is all over the news. It, you know, I saw it in the mainstream media, MSM as we like to refer them to. Um, but you should review it to at least have an understanding, especially if you have exchange in your environment. But you know, even if you don't, you should review it because there are other there is there is a number of vulnerabilities that they have gone after in the years in the in the last few years. And some HIPAA news to share. The Lake County Health Department in Illinois has announced it has suffered two data breaches that potentially involved the personal and protected health information of around 25,000 patients. The first breach occurred in 2019, uh, I guess better late than never reporting it, when a Lake County Health employee sent an unencrypted email from their work email account to an internal employee's personal email account. The email had an attached spreadsheet of medical record requests dating from December 2016 to June 2019. The, the request had been made through a third-party company, which handled release of information requests for the Lake County Health Department. The spreadsheet included the names of 24,241 patients, along with the dates relevant to the vendor. Lake County Health discovered the breach on July 22, 2019. However, it took until July 2021 for notification letters to be sent to affected patients. The reason for the delay of almost two years was due to Lake County Health officials not believing notification letters were required. <laughs> okay, so as no personal health information had been compromised, however, the Department of Health and Human Services disagreed. This means that they don't have any HIPAA going on there at all. No HIPAA program in place. A second data breach was discovered on May 14th of this year, which involved a Google spreadsheet, oh Lord, containing names, dates of birth, email addresses, phone numbers, and the COVID-19 vaccination status of 705 individuals. The spreadsheet was saved in the personal Google, oh wow, I mean personal Google Drive account for an employee. While Google Drive can be a HIPAA compliant solution, not when it's a personal account. In, in healthcare along with other G Suite services. Personal accounts are not. Google can access information on personal Google accounts and uses that information to deliver tailored services and advertisements. All affected individuals were seniors who had sought information on COVID-19 vaccinations. Those, those individuals have been notified. While both privacy incidents resulted in patient data being exposed, Lake County Health said no internal risk assessments were conducted and no evidence was found to indicate any of the exposed, of course. Information had been acquired by authorized, unauthorized, sorry, individuals and misused. Of course you would say that. This does is epic HIPAA violations and failures there. And if, if the OCR is going to investigate anybody, it's going to be them. A um, couple more breaches to talk about. Sierra Nevada primary care physicians in California is alerting 1,717 patients about an incident involving the theft of some of their protected health information, including names and credit card information. On May 20th, Sierra Nevada primary care physicians was notified by the district attorney's office that two envelopes containing receipts from the practice had been found in the vehicle of a suspect. The receipts were for payments made by patients between January 1st of 2019 and March 20th of 2019. For individuals who paid in person at the front desk using a debit or credit card, the receipts contained the individual's name, name of the practice, amount charged, and the last four of the credit card number. 
Receipts for payments made by individuals using debit card or credit card by mail or over the phone included that individual's name, debit credit card number, expiration date, CVV code, signature, practice name, and amount charged. The DA confirmed that the two envelopes and receipts were recovered and the perpetrators were arrested. Sierra Nevada Primary Care Physicians has offered affected individuals 12 months of complimentary credit monitoring services, but believes misuse of the information is unlikely. Steps have since been taken to improve security, including keeping receipts in a locked room and only that only two individuals can access. Uh, I don't know that it, did it say, it doesn't say how they got that information, but I don't know if it's like a reach over a counter and grab a box or something. I don't know. University of Maryland, Baltimore has announced the protected health information of 30,468 individuals was compromised in a cyber attack on its Acelion file transfer app appliance in December. Hackers gained access to the system, exfiltrated data, and, mis and issued a ransom demand for the ret safe return of the stolen data. Some of that information was subsequently published on a hacker's data leak site. University of Maryland said the system was used by students and faculty staff and was rigorously monitored and patches to fix security issues were promptly applied. However, in this instance, a vulnerability was exploited for which a patch had not been released. As we know, because we've been talking about a Celion for a while now, a plan had already been formed to replace the system with a newer, more secure system. Prior to learning about the breach, the plan was ex executed in February and legacy Acelion FTA file transfer appliance that is, has now been replaced. Complimentary credit monitoring services have been offered to affected individuals. So it looks like they just were in the process of dealing with it before they knew they were hit. At least that's the way it's being worded. Um, again, another victim of the Acelion file transfer appliance compromise vulnerability um it's you know every few weeks we we get another one so i'm waiting for a total like a, a count of how many people were impacted by this total how many businesses how many individuals because the numbers are, are climbing for sure that is going to do it for this edition of the product of it cybersecurity daily so until tomorrow stay healthy stay safe and stay secure